Well, good morning, everyone. I have some great uh, words of encouragement this morning. I would like to share a word of encouragement uh, on my own. I don't have a little slippy note. Uh, some of you know that I have an amazing wife, and uh, I share that with her pretty consistently, that she's an amazing wife. Quit laughing at her. Oh, really? Great. Thanks, honey. Anyway, besides that, um, you know, everybody's got their own gifts and talents and abilities, and most of you know that she's really a sweet, uh, easy person to talk to, but also, too, she, she loves to bake, and honestly, there have been actual hearts that have been opened up because of her baking, and uh, I just can't believe that she loves to do that, and I'm so thankful for that. And you can tell it really, really, really works. So there you go. Anyway, love you, honey. All right. It's nice to see Lily here to keep Grandma Pat in line. Woo! Give it up for Lily. Right back there by Pat. I don't know who wrote that, but man, that is true. I didn't write that. I just read it a little enthusiastically, I might add. All right. Kevin, it is always encouraging to see you here uh, on the Lord's Day. Let's give it up for Kevin. All right. Man, I'll tell you what. Kevin works super hard. I got to ride with him over in his, what would you call that? The Bend, Bend Sisters Circuit, all the way to 58. Man, I'm telling you what, that guy, that's a short run, actually. Some of his long runs take a week. And so I so appreciate you making time to be here. So, uh, Rachel, it is so nice to see you back again this Sunday with your little ones, I might add. There you go. Let's give it up for Rachel. <laughs> All right. It's great when the little ones clap, too. Don't know, know what I'm clapping about, but I'm clapping, so. Melissa Parks, thank you so much for hosting Ladies Study and providing the opportunity for sweet fellowship between sisters and great encouragement from the lessons you prepared. You have a gift for teaching, big heart, and I appreciate your initiative and loving service. Let's give it up for Mrs. Parks. All right. Oh, Rachel's a rock star this morning. Rachel. It's so good to see your sweet smile again and meet your little ones. There you go. So let's go up for Rachel and the little ones, no less. <laughs> what, 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 are your, what are your daughter's names? Persephone and Violet. Violet and? Persephone. Persephone. Okay. Very cute. All right. Well, a couple of announcements. Uh, college Age will be going on this week. Ladies study going on this week? I better with all that great... Hype and everything, right? Uh, uh, evening assemblies are over at the Kirkpatrick, so thank you for appreciating taking two months in a row. That's great. And uh, the only other thing that I think that's really important is is the Pumpkin Size Holiday Bazaar is coming up. <clears throat> we have all sorts of uh, promotional materials out there. Uh, someone, I don't remember who it was, was saying that they're just handing out the Save the Date cards to family members and friends. Wow, that's a great idea, actually. Because, uh, you know, word of mouth is the most powerful form of promotions. And so if you're handing those out and asking people to show up, uh, and there's a greater tendency because of the emotional connection for them to be here. 
And uh, you know it's all about the kids in Belarus, more, most specifically Mama Nina's kids. So that information flyer, I get, got poked pretty heavy last year to revise it. And so I revised it. Hopefully it's a really good revision. We got pictures this time of Mama Nina and the kids. So if you could uh, grab some of those uh, save the date cards and share them, that would be great. Oh, thank you. Fifth Sunday, I should just read right here. It's right there. And it's over at the Sunrise Christian Church over off of Irvington by the railroad tracks, if you know where that's at. So anyway. Uh, anyway, we need to say happy birthday to Lily. Lily turned 12 on October 3rd. I remember when I was 12, vaguely. <laughs> what was that about? <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay, there are, some, there are some people that should be seen and not heard. <laughs> Brian. <laughs> anyway, not to steal the light, limelight of Lily, but uh, uh, I mean, how, Lily, how long has it been? You know, I know your grandpa was alive for a couple of years and, and passed. So what is that, about five years now? Well, five years? Wow. So you've really grown up, matured, you know, and I still think you're not 12, you're like 15 or 16. So if you talk with Lily, she is really a sweet young woman who's really, really intelligent and wise and able to hold a great conversation. So I apparently asked my age in my class because nobody else does, and I've been called the most responsible There you go. Okay. <laughs> All right. So let's sing happy birthday to Lily. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Right. I'm a little nervous when the Johnsons come back. We're going to be singing happy birthday to many of them. So anyway, we will do that in weeks to come. So, all right. Any other announcements? Any other announcements? Oh. All right, that's a very important announcement. The cakewalk uh, is a big money bunny maker. Obviously, you've, I've told you that I spent a lot of money doing that. I'll probably do it again. Uh, so make all those great pies and cookies and cinnamon rolls and all that stuff that I'm not supposed to eat. That would be fantastic. All right. Okay, Any, anything else? Anything else? All right, let's grab our Bibles. Grab our Bibles. We're going to be turning to Psalms chapter 27, but I, I want to begin before we read with a couple thoughts. This whole year has been devoted to studying the fear of God, and I thank you, Scott, for making reference more of it to the, the reverential awe and adoration of who God is. And the longer I live, the more I realize that there is no one who's getting out of here. Are you ready? No one's getting out of this mess alive unless they truly have that reverential fear of God. Now, if you want to contend with me later on, that's fine. Some may say, no, no, it's, it's, it's not that. <clears throat> As you sit and think about the the fear of God, the reverential fear of God, if you are not in awe of 
who he is, then you're not going to be responsive to him. Let me share with you briefly, and I may have already shared this, but it's so impactful. When I went down to, to New Mexico and I spent time with, with five law enforcement officers, four of them retired, uh, one of them still working, serving here in Lane County. Um, I was really moved by their dedication and devotion to their work. And, and one of those gentlemen had severe uh, PTSD from his work as uh, a law enforcement officer. And all those men were seeking hope, seeking to put all this thing into perspective and purpose and why, and, and they're seeking God and had the opportunity to spend time with them. And I spoke only of Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God, for five days. And all five of those men were moved, and all of them had been in and out of many churches, and they were moved by the truth that they heard that they had not heard before about who Jesus is. Because as you said, Logan, it's a scary thing that that song that that country western singer guy sings, that's American churchianity. That's what it is. I mean, you go to get something. People church shopping, I'm going to get something. And it's got to be what I want, not what God wants them to have. And I'm fearful, actually, of the American church. I'm fearful of, of how many are being lulled into a sense of non-purposeful, intentional commitment to fight the good fight of faith. And that's what the lessons from now on are going to be on. The fight of faith and the great love of God, which is the greatest of all weapons to destroy the works of the devil. And so this morning... The title of my lesson, as you'll see in your, in your note pages, if you take a look there, is the faith produces a reverential fear of God which destroys the fears of man. We're going to look at David this morning. We're going to look at David over and over and over again this morning. David was the great king of war. Many of you know that. He was not allowed to build the house of God because he was a man of war. But do you recognize and realize he was successful only because he feared God with a reverential fear? Now, there's a couple times he had hiccups in his life. But remember what happened when he was called out? He immediately humbled himself. He did not make excuses. He did not try to hide the, from the mistakes he made. He owned it and he stepped back into the fight. Brethren... My prayer is we'd recognize that without the reverential fear of the Lord, we won't be like David. And remember, David is a man after God's own heart, a heart of faithfulness to God. And so I would also ask you to consider the Apostle Paul and the Apostle John. Those men suffered greatly in serving God the Lord. Do you remember James and John wanted to be right and left hand side on next to Jesus' throne and, and Jesus said, are you willing to suffer with me the baptism of suffering? And you know what he said? They said, foolish young men they were. 
Yep, we're able. Well, James was the first one to go, slip from gizzard to, to got public execution. The last one to go was John the Baptist in solitary confinement. Here's my concern, folks. What if we are isolated from each other and we have not chosen the fear of the Lord? We've chosen the sweet fellowship of the saints, but haven't chosen the sweet fellowship with the only one who is able to save your soul. That's a terrible statement, but the reality is we need to grow our faith in Christ Jesus and grow our faith of Christ. Time is passing away. It's not that much longer, I believe. The things we see in the United States of upheaval, it's everywhere in the world now. It's not just here. So it's important, brethren, that we decide to be like David. We decide to be like Paul. We actually decide to be like King Jesus. He died on the cross, really, all alone. Even John ran away, it says. So it's important for us to understand that we need to be ready to have such a faith that we can endure until the end, faithful no matter what, if that is what God has for us. God is sovereign. So let's begin. Let's jump right in. Psalms chapter 27. Psalms 27. Listen to the heart of the lion-hearted man, David, who was constantly in battle and yet depended fully and wholly on the Lord. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to, to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamped against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. I've noticed something happening in the churches, and, and even here. Here's what's been happening. Don't tell me about bad news. I don't watch the news anymore. I don't listen to the radio anymore. Don't tell me about bad news. Hey, look, that's not David's heart. What was David's heart? Hey, I want to know where the enemy's at, and I'm going to ask the Lord how I can plunder the enemy. Isn't, am I wrong? Isn't that how David was? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down besides sweet, quiet pastures, cool water. And what does it say? Though I walk through the valley of death, I shall not fear. Why? Because his rod and his staff are powerful to comfort and protect me. Well, do you think that scripture is just written for people who are dead? So the people who are living go, oh, I feel okay now about them dying. No, that scripture was not written for that. That scripture was written for us. Hey, man, there's a war going on. And the devil wants victory. He won't get it. The church will be victorious, those who remain 
faithful who've grown that reverential fear of the only true God. Satan is no God at all. He's a fallen, broken, washed up, on his way to the lake of fire angel. But we are sons and daughters of God, empowered with the Holy Spirit. So are we going to look at all the crazies and go, oh, no, or are we going to go, God, tell me where to start whacking and stacking them. Where do you want me to start? You want me to come around behind? You want me to wait for the marching in the balsam trees? What do you want me to do, Lord? I'm ready. I had the privilege of raising up or helping to raise up three soldiers back there. It's pretty fun this morning. You know what? They're going to bring their sword next week, and I'm bringing not only this sword, but a physical sword. We'll see just how much damage we can do. All right? Man, I'm telling you what, the sword of the Spirit, you don't want to leave home without it. Amen? And if you leave home without it, you better have it in your heart and in your head. I know there are people out there, not necessarily in this audience, but there are people out there that think I get a little crazy when I'm preaching. I want people to, to, to engage. Is the Psalms 23 about dead people and making people who are in the audience feel comfortable? Or is it about our conviction that no matter what, all the armies around me, I'm going forward. I'm not backing up. I'm not sticking my head in the sand. See? Now, let's take a look at the next one. By the way, in my lesson, please make note of looking at the other passages of Scripture. Psalms chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Phenomenal. Now, these are all David writing these. Take a look at Psalms 118. Now, if Psalms 27 didn't get excited, uh, Psalms 118 ought, I hope. Chapter 5. Down through verse 9. From my distress I called upon the Lord. Now look, Paul's being, or David's being honest here. I, you know what? There are some things that are distressing. There are some things in this life that are distressing. How many of you, and don't raise your hand, how many of you have ever done this? Man, if that happens, I don't know what I'm going to do. Don't raise your hand, don't even smile. Don't twitch, because <laughs> I know you've thought that in your head if you have not said it out loud. And when you do that, you go, whoa, stop. Tell yourself to stop. What are you saying? Who's got this covered? Who cares about you more than he cares about himself? Who knows what you need more than what you know? That very one who is going to provide for you. Let's read the rest of this. From my distress I called upon the Lord. That's a good thing. First call on the Lord instead of try to solve it yourself. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. That's how God operates, by the way. The Lord is for me. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Well, that's a great question. A lot. But you've got to understand, Christ's 
greatest hour, Christ's greatest witness of power in, in a human body was when? Tell me. When did he prove that he was more than a mere mortal? The worst moment in his life was that on the cross. And yet, that's where he showed the great power of God in a human body. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You know, and everybody heard that. Do you know that the soldiers that crucified him are the ones that watched over the grave? How many know that's true? Roman protocol says, man, you start with a prisoner, you go all the way to the end with the prisoner. Those soldiers, that guard of 16, plus that centurion, were there at the cross. And that centurion said, surely this is the Son of God because of what he saw, because of what he heard. And then do you remember when Jesus came forth from the grave? Not all those soldiers went back into town because they were freaking out and terrified. Some of them decided to run. Who do you think they ran to? Time will tell. I think we're going to meet a few of those soldiers. Remember, Jesus was walking around for 40 days. We'll see. Brother, we need to recognize and understand that we are either going to fear man or fear the Lord. I love the rest of this statement. Verse 7, The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore I shall look with satisfaction on those who hate me. Sounds like victory to me. Are you looking for victory? Are you looking for the horrors of war? I'm looking for the victory. I'm looking to the victory. Hey, what was Jesus doing? For the joy set before him, he endured what? He endured the cross, despising the shame. He was looking to the victory. He was looking to that time of satisfaction. He was looking to that time when he could stand by that beautiful brook and just enjoy the victory of seeing all those who had become Christians coming in. That's what he is living for, and that's what he died for, and that's what he's living for now. Brethren, it goes on to say, It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Can I change that up a little bit? Let's read that again. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in yourself. Could I say that? If you trust in yourself, are you trusting in a man? Are you trusting in a woman? Are you trusting in someone who is frail and weak without God? What's the answer? The answer is absolutely yes. That's David. I love reading about David. That guy was a warrior like no other. Uh, I included uh, uh, in here First uh, Samuel chapter 17, verses 41 through 47. I love that passage. Because here's this monster Goliath cursing God and cursing David, cursing the God of David. And David just goes, I come to you in the name of the Lord. You're done. Do you see? He's a young man. This guy's a trained killer. He's all powerful in their mind's eyes. Everybody's quivering. And David says, I come to you in the name of the Lord. 
He knew that he was done. There was no doubt in David's mind. What about us? What about us? When we hear craziness going on, no, that's the devil working in other people's lives. Let's not buy into that ourselves. Let's decide we're going to be like David. I come to you in the name of the Lord. If you go into each relationship, each conversation, each difficult challenge with that mindset, and you ask, like David here does, is God going to grant you what you need if you're faithful? What's the answer? I only heard one whisper. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, positively. If God is for us, who could be against us? You know, this sounds like the Apostle Paul, verse 5. From my distress I called upon the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. The Lord is for me. I will not fear. If the Lord's for me, I'm not going to fear. Isn't that how Paul was? By the way, does anybody know what happened to Paul? He was killed by Nero. We don't know exactly how he was killed. Whether it was crucifixion or having his head cut off. People say his head got cut off. Either way, he knew the day. He knew the hour. In fact, let's turn there. 2 Timothy. Now let's turn to the New Testament. And we've talked a lot about the power of fearing God in very difficult times. Remember uh, 2 Corinthians in chapter 1, verses uh, uh, 8 through 11? Powerful passage. I have, it, I have it included here. And so notice 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to read a, a, like a variety of verses here. 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 8. But we, um, let me get to 2 Timothy. That, that's, 1 Timothy's not going to work at all. Okay, so 2 Timothy. By the way, this has nothing to do with anything except for, I've graduated to a new Bible. I've graduated to a new Bible so you can read it. I'll just hold it up and you can read it. Okay? I love this new Bible. Thank you, Ken. And so I can stand back and I can read it from here. <laughs> I'm dangerous in any place now. Yeah. So look at verse 8. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me as prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. Join me in suffering according to the power of God. What's Paul inviting people to? Hey, let's have a little fellowship, you know, a little, uh, no, come, let's have fellowship as we suffer for the gospel. I don't know about you, but that's not your typical cultural American Christian kind of deal, is it? Okay. But that's what Paul's doing. I think uh, we need to get a little bit more Paul and a little less culture. Look at verse 12. For this reason, I also suffer these things, but I'm not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. I am convinced that he is able to trust my life until the day he takes me home. Do I know what day that is? I have no clue. Could it be today? Good. My belief is, is that he's going to allow me to continue until I fulfilled what he has called me to. I think there's a few more folks that need to know the Lord. But you know, it's not just me, it's us, isn't it? Now let's turn to chapter 4 of 2 Timothy. 
Second four of chapter Timothy. Again, a powerful passage of scripture there, beginning there in verse six. He says, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. The faith of Christ. And notice what he says. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Is there anything more important than having the right conviction? You can get baptized with the wrong conviction and you're not getting to heaven. You can go out and preach the gospel with the wrong conviction and it's duplicity. Those works are not recognized by God. Our conviction is what's going to drive us through into heaven. And our conviction is that God is, and he's a rewarder, of those who will diligently seek him and serve him. My prayer is, is that, yes, we'll enjoy time and fellowship together. Yes, we'll enjoy family times. There's nothing wrong with that. But we'll ever be constant in our mindset that we're in a war. And our fellowship together should strengthen us and draw us closer together to serve together. Our families should be the same. Our work site's opportunity for evangelism. Remember, everything should be for Christ Jesus. Amen? Well, let's take a look at the next verse. You know this one very, very well, and you ought. Romans in chapter 8. Romans 8. This is a, a common one. But again... It's a theme that runs deep in the heart of those who are faithful. As David, as John the Apostle, we'll see here momentarily. And, of course, in Paul. This, this mimics Psalm 118, as you will see. What then shall we say to these things if, if God is for us, who is against us? That's right out of Psalms 118. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us, how will he also not with you freely give us all things? He's already given us the best. Everything else is frosting. He's going to give that too. We need to recognize that our salvation was secure from the moment of day one of creation. How do we know that? The good news, the gospel plan of sending his son was created on day one. And your name, it says, your name was there before him and that's why he came. The call has gone out to all. We need to choose him as the scripture teaches. But we read on and it says, verse 32, who's going to bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? The only person that can do that is one who walks away from the Christ. Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised as the right hand, who intercedes for us. Do you really believe that? Do you believe what we just read in Psalms? When David realized the crush of the enemy was greater than himself, he prayed. And what did God do? Every time, what did God do? He answered that prayer. 
What do we do? What have I been guilty of? As soon as the crush comes, oh no, what do I, what do, I do now? I'm embarrassed to say that. It's just as a man go, I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> well, good, did you ask God? Oh, um, that's a good idea. See? How important. We use the scripture and really go, okay, that's how we're supposed to do it. Reading on it goes on in verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, or peril, or sword? Why did Paul write that? Why did he write that? Why did he write that for us? Because we need to hear it. We better memorize this stuff. Just as it's written, For thy sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. That doesn't sound very good. When Jesus came to this earth, did you know that he knew, as he studied the scriptures, did you know that he knew that he was slaughtered, he was slated for the slaughter? Did you know that? He knew that. How come Christians are being told that today? Why, because they'll give up and run? The devil doesn't want you to know that. The devil doesn't want you to make a decision. The devil wants you to be lukewarm. The devil wants you to be comfortable. The devil doesn't want you to hear this stuff because some of you, hopefully all of you, but some of you will go, I need to harden up. I need to build my faith. I need to grow my faith. I need to embrace Psalm 118. I need to embrace Psalm 27. I need to embrace Psalm 3. I need to, that's my reality. Because that was David's reality. That was Jesus' reality. That was Paul's reality. And you think that you and I are going to escape that? I'm just saying, we need to grow up. And I know this is not a popular thing to preach. In fact, I'm pretty confident this isn't being preached very much anywhere. But I would rather know when I'm going to be cold-cocked or blindsided. Wouldn't you? For those of you who have ever been in a fight before, it's always better to know what's coming rather than to be cold-cocked or attacked from behind. You're blindsided. Well, finally, let's finish up here. It says, But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through Christ who loved us. For I'm convinced. I'm convinced. I have the conviction. I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Nothing can. Only myself. And Jesus asked the disciples, do you want to leave too? Remember what their response was? Who, who's, who, where else could we go? You are the one who has the words of eternal life. There is no other place. You can run and you can hide, but there is no other place. I want to go home. I want to go home. And the only way home is forward, not retreat. 
pressing in, not stepping back. When you step back in a fight, if you've ever been in a fight, guess what? If you see someone step back in a fight, pretty sure bet they're going to lose. But when you press forward, that strikes fear in the opponent's heart. You need to recognize that we need to be on offense, not defense. Amen? Okay. Well, let's close with 1 John. And this is where I'm going to spend time next week. I'm going to really tear it apart, take it apart, and put it back together again. So you have this really cool working model of what John is actually talking about here. 1 John and chapter 5. In fact, I'm going to probably take a couple, three weeks uh, for this. And I hope that you'll be able to make it. I, I can't guarantee it will be worth your while. I mean, I could preach it right and then, and then you have not used it. So if you get the tools and you use those tools, first on yourself and then on others... It will powerfully equip you. Take a look. Uh, 1 John chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And whoever loves the Father loves the child born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. And who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. The active verse here is verse 5. He who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That person, if they truly believe, will overcome. Belief has been watered down. Belief is weak sauce now in most of the churches. Most conversations about faith, weak sauce. It doesn't give the power that God called it to give. If you're not absolutely sure, if you're not absolutely confident, if you're not absolutely convicted, when, the, when craziness comes, you're going to be asking, what do I do? Where do I go? Why me? Those are all the wrong questions to ask. The question should be, Lord, what would you have me do? How do you want me to press into this thing? That's exactly what you should ask. That's what Jesus asked. That's what Paul asked. That's what David asks. So we should ask the same thing of God. And he will answer, for he is sovereign. And he wants to use you you. He wants to use you. But we need to be humble and yielded so he can use you. I don't know about you. I can't wait to get to heaven. I don't think it's going to be a dog pile. I get a wrong picture every time I hear that. So stop saying that. It's not going to be a dog pile. Okay? It's going to be a victorious army marching in. And the angels in awe of those who have served gallantly in the service of the great and glorious King, Jesus Christ. And we're all going to be there when he takes the devil and he throws him into the pit. And we're all going to scream in great shouts of victory. That's what it's going to be like. And then he'll jump on us. Then we'll have the dog, we'll have the dog fight. <laughs> Brethren, 
It's so important for us to get the right faith, and we're going to be working on that probably the next several weeks. I have found in the last year or so, when I've changed up my strategy in, in laying out those, those basics, the one that crushes a person's heart to want to know how they can serve the Lord Jesus is Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. That's exactly what we just read. That's exactly what we just read. So please come back and be equipped and uh, for the victory that is soon to be ours in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I am so thankful for the privilege of serving. And Father, I, I confess, as you well know, and I know most, if not all, of my brothers and sisters here know that there have been times in my past where I've struggled, I've been fearful, I didn't know what to do, I sought answers from many others instead of stopping and bowing the knee and asking you, Father, and then searching your word for the answer if the answer did not come. Father, now as I'm pressing the fight, as we are pressing the fight, we recognize that faith is that great, powerful weapon that destroys all things. And faith that is sincere produces a pure love that the devil cannot uh, stand up to. So help us in these last three months uh, of this year to recognize the power of faith and the power of love to destroy the devil and give us the victory in your son Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, let's all stand up. Let's get excited. <clears throat> what did Jesus say? He said to... Go! Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings. King of Kings. All right. Thank you very much.